If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's back to school time already. It's hard to believe the summer is gone for many kids and we're going back to school. And a good back to school passage for us to consider is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded you commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land that you are about to enter and to possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and by keeping all his statutes and commands I am giving you today to you, your son, your grandson, so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord your God, the God of your ancestors, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you that your word is living and active and that we can, we can approach your word and know that you would speak to us through it if we would listen. So, Lord, we, your servants would listen. Help us today to allow your Holy Spirit to teach us that our thoughts would honor you and our lives would be lived according to your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, of course the context is that Moses is about to send the people of Israel into the promised land. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. The people of Israel have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The generation that came out of Exodus has perished in the wilderness because of their disobedience. The first time God told them to enter the promised land. Now a new generation has arisen and they're about to enter the promised land. But before they do, God gives them the law a second time. And Moses is delivering it here, and that's called the book of Deuteronomy, the second law, the second giving of the law. And so we come to this sixth chapter, and God says through Moses to the people, my desire is for you to have long life as a nation, for you to do well, to prosper in the land. And he says, if that's going to be possible, then the key is going to be that you have to not only obey these commands and know these commands, but pass them to your children. And so he continues in verse four, listen, Israel, the Lord, your God, the Lord is one. This is called the Shema for the Jewish people or people that, that, that know the law. This is the, the heart of the law. The Lord, your God, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be on your heart. Repeat them to your children. Teach them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This passage, in this passage, God's making it very clear through Moses to the people of Israel that the job of discipling our children is in the family. That parents are to take the responsibility to pass down 
the truth about God and therefore faith in God to the next generation. When I was a kid, sometimes people would say, Christianity is only one generation away from extinction. And while I think that was hyperbole, I think the point is well made. That every generation needs to take, take serious their responsibility to pass down the faith, our faith in God to the next generation. It doesn't just come by osmosis. It won't just come. It won't come without being thoughtful and deliberate and committed. And that's what God is calling the people to hear when he says, parents, take responsibility. Listen, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. So teach your children to love the Lord your God with all, your, all their heart and soul and strength throughout the day. When they're getting up and when they're going to bed, when they're eating meals, when you're walking along the road, you know, the, on the doorposts of your house have scripture. Wherever they go, may the word of the Lord be forefront in their minds and forefront in their hearts. Because here's the reality that we're discovering in this generation, I think like no generation in my recent lifetime, everybody is disciplining our children. And if we don't, if we don't disciple our children, the world around us is ready to. In fact, I, there's a popular book out there about how, you know, um, uh, it, takes a, 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 it takes a village to raise a child. And while there may be a level of truth to that, if the village is a pagan village, if the village is not a village that, 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 that seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if the village doesn't believe the morality of scripture, the holiness of God, that village that raises our children will raise our children to sin. Uh, again, I was reminded of that this past week when I saw, I believe it was the president of the NEA say that one of the things that, one of the mistakes that parents believe today is that, that, that their children are their responsibility, that the children belong to the parents. But one of the things that they, they, their agenda with the NEA is to teach the parents that no, children belong to the community. I'm not saying this to, to frighten. I'm just saying the Bible makes it really clear. Um, parents, somebody is going to raise our children, is going to disciple our children, is going to teach our children about some, the worshiping of some God. And either we teach them to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength, or else somebody else will. Um, this week, probably as you're watching this, um, uh, Pat Ferguson and I are making a trip to uh, Nashville to meet with a group of ministers to talk about how does the church need to adjust to be better at equipping parents to disciple their children to be followers of Christ. We live in different, a different age today in the 2020s. Um, Tim Hawks is 
one of the leaders in our amongst our group that's getting together. Um, recently, Tim wrote this. He, Tim had this discussion with Pat and me a couple of months ago, actually. But but this is um, uh, this illustrates the reason why we need to take seriously what it means to raise our children today. Tim says, I was told something interesting recently. Tim is a minister in Austin, Texas. My wife informed me that my 15-year-old daughter and her male cousin of the same age were quizzing their 14- and 13-year-old brothers about what girls they were interested in at school. The two older kids were teasing the younger ones because they said there really weren't any girls in 7th and 8th grade that they were interested in. In kind of reminds me of some kind of Leave It to Beaver episode, you know, where Wally is teasing the beaver about, you know, you interested in girls? No, I'm not interested in girls. You interested in girls? No, I'm not interested in girls. It's kind of this innocent sort of thing, that playful thing that's happened from generation to generation. But listen to this. Upon further teasing, my son, the 14-year-old in eighth grade, said, you don't understand all but two of the girls in my homeroom class either call themselves gay, bisexual, or pansexual. His 13-year-old cousin agreed that there was a similar situation in seventh grade. The middle school itself has approximately 700 kids. The principal is a good conservative Christian man. Most of the teachers there are conservative Christians. I have close family members and friends who teach at that school, Tim writes. My wife is a substitute teacher, but, but uh, both there and at the high school, which is just down the road from it. My wife stated that she would estimate that probably more than half of the girls in the middle school, in all grades, identify as gay, bisexual, or pansexual. My point is that these girls were not indoctrinated by the middle school into these sexual identities. Neither were they indoctrinated in the elementary schools. Tim notes, I know the teachers and principals at those schools well. And neither am I denying that indoctrination happens in some schools. I've read enough of accounts of this to know that it happens what's going on in the urban progressive areas to know that there has to be at least some truth to these stories. And it's not just the urban progressive areas, it's the suburban progressive areas like ours. He says, but what I'm saying is that those progressive school systems do not have to work all that hard in order to indoctrinate these kids. The internet is doing most of the heavy lifting. Tim says, when I say the internet, I mean more than just websites. I mean the whole bundle of websites, social media apps, streaming services. Kids are bombarded with messages of divergent sexual identities from every direction. And if they never hear anything else, why wouldn't they accept it as true? My question is, how were these girls who are surrounded by conservative evangelical churches and conservative evangelical teachers so easily swayed and misled by the internet. And I would add, it's also by education. It's also by the news media. I mean, it's also by entertainment and the news media. 
Tim concludes, I believe the answer is the relationship between parents of these girls and the local churches. I don't believe that the parents are to blame for allowing their children to be discipled by the internet and not protecting them and disciplining them, discipling them in their homes. But I also believe the churches are to blame for not being able and willing to teach parents to be disciples of Jesus and how to disciple their children. I read that just to say, I think there's a lot of heavy lifting that we have in the days ahead. I think that the words that God has through Moses for the people of Israel could not be more important to be taken seriously in our day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I give you today are to be on your heart. Now repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them like a sign on your hands. A couple of applications that I would make. Parents, we have to take seriously our responsibility to disciple our children to be followers of Jesus Christ. And that first is going to begin with your own example. Jesus one time said, a servant is never above his teacher. Um, it's going to be really hard for your children to love God more than you love God, to be committed to God more than you are committed to God. So what example are you showing? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I, you know, think of examples of times in my life when it's just like, oh, why did I say that? And I've had to apologize to my kids for being harsh or, um, or, or, or for saying the wrong thing or being unkind. And it's just like, oh. But my prayer is that my kids will know that I love the Lord and I take him seriously. This means um, it, it is true that it's that you can't do it alone, that we have to do it together as a community. And that means parents we're gonna have to reconsider what our attitude is toward the church. Um, do your children see that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and therefore his kingdom is your heart. For our kids to really understand faith in God and that there's nothing more that matters to God, then we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that means the church isn't something that we just consume. It's not just a group that we can take or leave, that we have a nominal commitment to. And, and if it's convenient, we'll go on Sunday morning. And if it's convenient, we'll be involved. But maybe we'll keep a distance. The church must become our kingdom. We must become kingdom people. I'm so thankful that my parents did this right. If there's, My parents did a lot of things right. I'm very thankful for it. If there's one thing they did right, the church was our family. The church was our second family. I, I knew I was loved by my family, but I knew that I was also loved by my church family. And church family 
was family. And those people are still family today. I got to ask you to consider, is the church just a social organization you belong to for your own benefit? Or is it your family? Are you a member of the kingdom? Do you seek first the kingdom of God and therefore his kingdom is yours? Along with that, then I would say God calls you to be a builder of the church, not just a taker. I think it's time, I think we're in a generation right now where it's time for Christians to, um, to clarify their expectations of themselves. And I would say the, the, the age of consumer Christianity, the, the time where we can be um, takers in the church and not builders is quickly fading. People who are consumers of the church, who are customers of the church, their kids aren't going to make it spiritually in a world that is so aggressively going after them in a world that is going to make them make it very uncomfortable for them to seek Jesus first. So there's a sense in which we are going into an amazing time. We're living in an amazing age where we are going to have greater clarity in who really loves Jesus. Because the morals have so shifted. And the difference between those who love Jesus morally and those who don't love Jesus morally is getting really clear. And the priorities are shifting and clarifying. And the priorities of those who love Jesus and his kingdom and live for the upper story and live for the kingdom are just clearly becoming divergent from those who are committed to this world. So parents, let me encourage you to get involved in the church. If you see something that you wish were there, be a builder. Build it, make it happen. Let us help you make it happen. But let's work together to build the church, to build our children, to build the next generation, to love the Lord their God and to be distinctive, to be lights in a dark world. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In other words, he's the, he is the one and only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be on your heart. You can't accept them at a surface level. They have to take root in the depths of your soul. Love the Lord your God with all you have. Then repeat these words to your children. Talk about them all the time. You should have, your kids should be, it should be normal for them to hear the Bible quoted by you. It should be normal for them to hear you say, well, this is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus says. Well, this is the Bible story that applies to that. 
It shouldn't be like a preacher thing. Oh, that's how the preacher talks. No, it's how everybody talks. Why? Because that's what it says. Talk about these things when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hands and let them be a symbol of your on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Everywhere you go, may your children hear your love for the Lord because they hear you speak his word. They hear you tell stories of his scripture. They see your love for God above all. And my prayer is together that God will build the church so the next generation will be fully devoted to him in, in the, in the, despite, despite all the world would do to dissuade them. Heavenly Father, we recommit ourselves today to love you with all of our hearts, to know your word, to have it emblazoned on our hearts, and then to disciple the next generation by our actions, by our commitment to you, to your kingdom above all, and by the way that we live your word and speak your word and teach your word so that our children think like biblical thinking people. Our children have the mind of Christ, so they love you with all of their hearts as well. Lord, we can't do this without you. Walk with us going forward. Give us wisdom that we don't have. Help us to be builders of this next generation. Through Christ, I pray. Amen. Thanks. Please pray for the church.